Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to The Men of Valor Program. Today we are continuing our series that is based on the new book, The Fight of Your Life, uh, that uh, I co-wrote with Dr. Tim Clinton of the American Association of Christian Counselors. And uh, Randy, today we are arriving at Chapter 6, which is entitled The Heart of the Matter. The Heart of the Matter. And once again, I like the uh, the titles that you guys chose for these chapters because they, uh, they kind of set the table uh, for the subject that is about to be discussed. And uh, you can tell our listeners just what... Uh, what today's chapter six, the heart of the matter, is going to contain? Well, it's about spiritual heart change, really. And the chapter is based on a teaching that I've had for a long time that we actually use quite a bit at the Men of Valor workshop. And that teaching is about three spiritual questions that I think all of us need to ask ourselves on a daily basis. And um, when we consider these questions, it kind of inherently helps us look at uh, spiritual motivation and uh, spiritual heart change, and it also begins to cast a vision for us about uh, the spiritual growth that we need to move in the direction of. So I think some of the listeners that have been following us for a long time will uh, recognize um, the three spiritual questions, and certainly if any of our listeners have uh, been to one of our workshops here, they'll certainly recognize these questions. Is there a scriptural passage to start us out? Well, the three questions all have scriptural basis in conversations that Jesus uh, has with uh, several different people in the uh, Gospel of John. Oh, okay. So I think uh, rather than say we're going to start with the scripture, we're going to talk uh, several times here about scriptural stories. Okay, as, as you're describing these three spiritual uh, questions, there's kind of an, an automatic tie to uh, the appropriate verses. That is right. The appropriate stories, really, that are uh, based on, uh, like I said, conversations, short conversations, really that Jesus has with uh, several different people. The first one, if you want to just get into it, is basically the motivation question. Uh, One of the interesting things that uh, Debbie and I have been discussing lately is, as we do on an ongoing basis, really, uh, you know, who are the people that do well? Who are the people that don't do so well? That applies both to the husbands we work with, the wives we work with, and the couples we work with. And uh, the question of motivation comes up all the time. Are you motivated uh, by uh, external uh, concerns, fears, and anxieties? In other words, if I don't get this right, if I don't get uh, sober, if I don't get free of my... um, And we would love to see all the people we work with, you know, in that first year of recovery, begin to slowly transition into a more internally focused motivation. And the first uh, spiritual question is really about motivation and The question itself is, do you want to get well? Uh, Are you willing to do whatever it takes to be free of this? Really, one of the things that we we think about with that is, if you didn't stay married, if you didn't keep your current job, if you had other consequences, would you still want to be sexually pure, sexually sober? And uh, 
that has got to be based on your you know increasing relationship with God and your desire to serve God, regardless of what happens around you. Well, what I like about that first spiritual question, and I have heard you speak so many times on this subject and on this question, I think mm-hmm. it's one of the first frontal approaches that you take uh, to someone going through that because it, it kind of breaks through all of the other gently gently formatted questions where you just look an individual in the eye and say, do you want to get well? Do you want this life that you're living to change? Right. right. And one of the interesting things about that, whenever you ask that question, and again, uh, this is the first question that we ask at the at the men's workshop, you know, do are you here because you want to get well? What what is sometimes uh, fascinating about the responses is, well, you know, why would I have come to this appointment? Why would I have come to this uh, workshop if I didn't want to get well? There are many follow-up questions to this. One of them is, for example, who who are you expecting to do all the work? A lot of times men come to counseling or men come to a workshop and they're expecting to get all the answers, the black and white formula that they need to follow. And uh, a lot of times men come to the workshop because they've been praying for years and years for God to remove all lust from their heart. And they are, in fact, uh, at some level disappointed with God that he hasn't answered the prayers in the way that the men want them to be answered. Because he thinks someone else is going to fix the problem for that's, him. That's right. And there again, you see an external motivation in that uh, I don't want to have to do anything. Then also, I think thirdly, uh, you know, some of the men come and they're, they're really not sure, uh, you know. They uh, realize uh, at some level of themselves that the sexual activity that they've been doing is, is providing them with uh, neurochemistry that uh, is actually helping them to manage you know, certain moods. So back in the old days, one of my mentors in this said that in many, many uh, aspects, you know, your sexual activities were like your best friend. They, they, they are activities that you've been using since you were an adolescent to uh, manage emotions like loneliness and sadness and anxiety and fear and stress. And so since you've been using this as a solution for so long, uh, it's not always the case that you're totally sure that you, in fact, want to give this up. So <clears throat> that's why I think uh, asking this spiritual question on a daily basis is really an important thing. The, the story uh, in the uh, Gospel of John um, is the story of a man at a pool that had healing properties uh, in Jerusalem, and uh, there was a pool that a bunch of people came every day to lie who had various afflictions. And um, the, the tradition was an angel would come down, stir the water, and when the water was stirred, the first person to get in the pool would be healed of whatever infirmity they had. And in our story, which is in John chapter 5, by the way, one of the men who's been lying by this pool hoping to get healed for 38 years, the Bible describes as being an invalid. And uh, the Greek word there, ostenea, by the way, you know, it's one of those many Greek words that's been used to uh, create an English word for a medical diagnosis. So ostenea has been used to create uh, the English uh, term myasthenia gravis, which refers to weakness of muscles. It's a neurological disorder. So this guy was having weakness of leg muscles, I guess, and he couldn't walk. He was an invalid. Um, but the Greek word in the New Testament also refers to weakness of soul and weakness of, of body. So it's a very holistic term. And I, I like the story for that reason because, you know, the average man that comes here is weak of soul and mind also. It's not just, you know, some kind of paralysis that they have. 
Although you could also, you know, take the term paralysis and say that, you know, paralysis is one of the words that would describe an addiction. You know, you're paralyzed, you're stuck, you're you're not able to make the changes you want to make. So it's a very important word. This guy had it. And Jesus, you know, even knowing that he'd been there for 38 years, doesn't ask him any questions about how he got this way, how he's feeling, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. He just really kind of almost confronts him and says, do you want to get well? And the guy has some excuses, uh, which are kind of classic. But uh, nevertheless, Jesus heals him. He tells him to get up and walk. And and I think the story represents the fact that Jesus has got to challenge the internal heart of the matter, the spiritual heart of the matter. Are you willing uh, to do whatever it takes to get well? Well, I like what you and Tim say in this chapter, where you say, take note. The greatest reason to be healed and delivered from your sexual strongholds is so that you can see God in your life. Then others can see him in your life as well. That's right. Well, listen, Mark, let's uh, let's take our break right here, and when we come back, we'll be able to tell the listeners about the second and third spiritual questions. You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Now for the trigger of the week. Trigger of the week, Randy. I was thinking about it this morning, and sometimes the way I think about triggers of the week are, you know, what kind of things are our um, clients that we work with, uh, what are they bringing into us, whether it's at men's group, wives group, some of our couple sessions. And today I thought it might be good to think about a trigger of the week for couples, and uh, one that we hear about a lot, and it seems to me like we're hearing about this one in increasing levels. The trigger of the week for a couple that is recovering is uh, to discover that one of their children 
is now looking at internet pornography. Um, we've probably heard that story now in the last month uh, 10 or 15 times. We had a couple in this morning that are their 15-year-old son who, you know, they have done all kinds of appropriate, healthy parental sex education with. He's a kid that is in school, has a lot of stress, friends at some sleepover. These were all Christian friends, Christian parents, Christian-approved sleepover. And um, nevertheless, the boys were talking about a website that one of them had seen that had nude women on it. So the boy went home, of course, and got on his uh, laptop or iPad or whatever it was and looked up that website. Well, it showed up because the, the, the husband had installed you know, one of those servers that you know, uh, alerts people to what you're looking at on the Internet. And so now they're all upset. You know, they're quoting scripture. You know, the sins of the father are going to be passed down to the third and fourth generation. And so obviously this is a result of the father's sin, and that's why the the son is looking at these things. And it kind of creates a a massive trigger, you know, for the couple because they're, you know, they're beside themselves. They're worried about it. This is the ongoing legacy of this addiction. And and, uh, it can create a lot of distance for a couple, even in knowing how to deal with it. So um, that's perhaps a topic for a, a whole nother show, and that is uh, talking to your kids about sex and talking to your kids about you know this uh, problem of pornography and so forth. But uh, I just think that uh, it's not a bad idea once in a while on the show to talk about things that trigger couples, both of them. Well, I would imagine that news, a discovery like that, can be have a doubling effect in the trauma that it co- that it causes both the mother. Yeah. And wife. Right. You know, it's one thing to be trying to deal with the the pain and devastation of your husband having this problem. But to see your child now entering that same world, uh, I can only imagine that she would be she'd be drastically uh, affected by that. Yeah, that's why. Well, of course, it it brings back up, you know, all the pain of the um, original discovery of the husband's activity. There's only one thing I want to say about it for the moment. I mean, like I said, it could be a whole separate show, this one particular trigger. But uh, And that is uh, one of the things that we celebrate here is that uh, that same Exodus uh, 20 passage that gets quoted all the time about the sins of the Father. It also says that if uh, uh, we will return to God's ways, we'll repent, confess, uh, return to God's law, uh, God will pour out a blessing on that family for a thousand generations. So, you know, um, it is true that if the husband is doing things to get healthy, that will be a blessing to the family. The same couple uh, was talking about the the husband taking uh, the 12-year-old son on an overnight outing uh, to a baseball game, to um, dinner and, you know, some activities, and then spending the entire day on Sunday kind of pouring over what the father wanted him to know about sexuality, being a man, and all that kind of thing. And so, and and even as he was talking about it, um, he was getting moved, I was getting moved. I mean, you can just see the transformation. So I'd, I'd like to speak to those couples who have been triggered by this kind of thing to know that, generally speaking, the fathers who are getting this right are, are so much better dads than the ones that they had. And I think we all need to accept the fact that uh, whether the husband is a sex addict or not, the culture we live in is a sexually addicted culture. So these kids are going to get exposed to, to this kind of stuff all the time. And we need to darn well be prepared for it because we are, in fact, going to encounter it. Well, let's return to uh, today's show then and uh, tell our listeners about the second spiritual question, which is, what are you thirsty for? 
Well, we uh, teach here all the time that a lot of the sexual sin that we deal with is uh, trying to get a legitimate need met in an illegitimate way. And so this uh, spiritual question is really about what is the legitimate need. Uh, As most of our listeners know, Debbie and I wrote a book several years ago called The Seven Desires. And uh, we just think that, you know, we're born with God has put in ourselves, you know, a spiritual and emotional desire for certain things like affirmation, healthy touch, inclusion, and so forth. We just know that there's many times when an addiction is an attempt to get desires met in uh, unhealthy ways. We don't particularly think of them as unhealthy, but, uh, you know, the one example I use all the time is, let's say you have a desire deep in your heart for affirmation, uh, to be chosen, to be included. And sometimes uh, uh, when you're looking at porn and you're looking at Uh, pictures of, uh, let's say you're a man and you're looking at pictures of naked women, one of the things they are usually doing is smiling at you. So you're thinking that basically looking at this porn is kind of meeting that desire to be affirmed or smiled at or chosen or whatever. And uh, so the spiritual question here is really at the deepest heart level, and we're training in this chapter six to get to the heart of the matter, you know, what is uh, the desires of your heart? And then we need to ask, uh, you know, how do we get those desires of your heart, which are completely normal? How do we get them met in healthy ways uh, through our relationship with uh, with God? And uh, Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. So, but the first step in that is understanding what truly your desires are and then uh, accepting and confessing and owning that you've been uh, searching in sinful ways to get those desires met. Now, how can we search in healthy ways? I just think it's an important question. If I notice, even after 28 years of sobriety, that uh, my sexual temptation level is rising at some point, uh, I'm always going to ask the question, what do I need? Uh, What do I desire? What's going on? Is there something that's not quite right in my relationships or that's being unfulfilled? And uh, so the second spiritual question, as well as the first and the third, which we're going to get to, are all questions that I seek to ask myself on a daily basis. And how successful do you feel you've been when when you come to confront yourself with that question? Are you usually able to come up with a pretty on-target answer? Yeah, and if I'm kind of stuck there, then certainly I'm going to turn to Debbie to help me. I'm going to turn to my community of other uh, healthy men to help me with that. It's usually at this point, 28 years down the road, it's not very hard to figure out, oh, I haven't gotten rest. Oh, you know, I haven't had time for uh, relaxation, recreation. I haven't done anything fun. Um, I haven't had an affirmation or whatever it is. I mean, it's really not that hard to figure out when we just take time to pause and think about it uh, in terms of what we really desire. I love that answer because I think it puts it into a, a real every man, everyday life rationale. I mean, to to take a look at your life, what am I currently desiring? What What's missing in my life right, right. now? And just to have it be so real life ordinary, yeah. like I'm, I haven't gotten enough rest. I haven't been taking time for some relaxation and yeah. exercise and all the things that I know are good for me. Right. Uh, they can, they can lead to some very negative behaviors if you don't, uh, yeah. right. if you don't make sure that uh, you have these other desires being, uh, answered. Uh, That brings us to our third spiritual question, and that is, are you willing to die to yourself? Yeah, and that's, uh, uh, for for those that have been to the workshop, they'll know that uh, at the workshop we ask the question, what are you willing to die for? 
Uh, are you willing to die for your country? All the men stand up and say hooray about that one. Are you willing to die for your children? Obviously, uh, all the men would you know, uh, heartily agree to that. Then we ask them, would you die for your wife? So we know that it's an inherently important uh, aspect of your spiritual journey to become more Christ-like in terms of willingness to sacrifice. So we get patriotic, die for your country. We get uh, parental, you know, die for your children. It's really a challenge for the men to start thinking, well, you know, if I'm married, there's everything about my addiction that has been totally uh, selfish. It's been killing uh, the spirit of our wives. You know, so how spiritually now are, are we going to transform and say, rather than killing my wife's spirit, how am I going to serve her spirit? And uh, a lot of that is going to mean I'm going to have to get more sacrificial uh, to do it. So when I say, what are you willing to die for? It's just a way of saying, how are you, uh, are you willing to convert from selfishness to selflessness? As I, you know, over the years, I've been thinking more about this question. Uh, one of the stories that has really challenged me, strangely enough, is from uh, John chapter 11. By the way, we should have said that the thirsty question is from John chapter 4. It's Jesus' conversation with the woman at the well of Samaria about you know, if you drink of the water of this well, you'll always be thirsty. If you drink of the living water I have to offer, you'll never thirst. But John chapter 11 has always been one of my favorite stories. I think a lot of us like this story. It's about the healing of uh, uh, Lazarus. It's about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. The early part of the story, it's about the uh, utter disappointment of Lazarus's two sisters that they had sent Jesus a message and wanted him to come very quickly and heal Lazarus before he died. Jesus, of course, doesn't do that, so they're immensely disappointed. But then, of course, we know, you know, the end of the story, the good part of the story, Jesus goes out to the tomb and brings him back. What has impressed me about it is that it's a story in which, uh, in order for us to be aware of the resurrecting power that Jesus does, in fact, have, in that story, a man needed to die. How I uh, translate this to the average one of us who will probably never actually be asked to physically die for someone else. Uh, and that gets back to the way it, the, uh, the question is stated in the book, which is, are you willing to die to yourself? Uh, so if you look at the whole resurrection theme here, it's really about the fact that what in you needs to die, uh, what uh, character qualities, what attitudes, what core beliefs in you need to die in order for the resurrecting power of Jesus to be made known in your life. Most of the men struggle with pride. Uh, most of the men struggle with arrogance. Most of the men struggle, therefore, with their own self-importance. That attitude needs to die. Um, most of the men struggle with shame, which is interesting, given the fact that they struggle with arrogance, they also struggle with the flip side of that coin, which is shame. And shame needs to die. They need to accept and understand the truth, that God can set you free, resurrect you from that shame, and so forth. We could go on and talk about, you know, other qualities of self, selfishness, that really needs to die. Uh, and uh, I just think it's an important uh, spiritual question. You know, what can I do on a daily basis as I, as I get into the heart of the matter, as I grow myself spiritually, to become more like the man that God calls me to be, to, more, to become more Christ-like, and to uh, lead a life of service and sacrifice. Uh, when I can do that, then I, I know that uh, the resurrecting power of Jesus will be made known in my life as opposed to, you know, my, my historic life of uh, selfish sin. 
Well, I think it's very powerful how you and Tim say there can be no resurrection until there is a death. Are you willing to acknowledge your sexual sins? Are you willing to see that your automatic coping strategy is to go to some sexual behavior? Are you willing to die to yourself and to your sexual ways of coping? When you are willing, God will meet you in the new stance of emptiness. As you empty yourself of how you medicate yourself using sex as a comfort, a drink, or a coping strategy, then God will meet you in that emptiness. Die to yourself and invite God into these places. That is exactly it. And then don't, you, don't we all love the last line of the Lazarus story where Jesus commands in a loud voice, take off his grave clothes and set him free. And uh, if we can do these things and answer these spiritual questions, we will, in fact, be set free. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. This is the Men of Valor program. I'm Randy Everett, your co-host, and we thank you for listening to our show today. Uh, if you are in need of some help, we are here to help you. Visit faithfulandtrue.com for more information about the services and resources that we offer. You can also learn more about the Men of Valor workshops. Uh, we uh, host that event every month here at Faithful and True. And if you are struggling with sexual purity issues, uh, we invite you to look into that workshop because we want to help. We hope that this coming week will be a week filled with many blessings and great vision. You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.